Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and today I've got a special guest on the show, who up to about two weeks ago was a complete stranger. And that's that's the uh, the power of LinkedIn, connecting with equally passionate individuals for you. So Mr. Steve Watt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Christian. Pleasure being here. And yeah, it was really great to meet you over LinkedIn, take it on to Zoom, as yep. one does these days, Indeed. get acquainted and realize we're fellow travelers in a lot of aspects of marketing and customer experience and other things. And and here we are. So this is great. Thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. All right. Well, um, let's get this party started. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Sure. I'm VP Marketing at Grapevine 6, which is mm-hmm. an enterprise social engagement platform. We empower people, primarily people in large financial services firms and tech right. companies and professional services firms to make the most of LinkedIn and other social platforms by helping them find the right content and to share it and engage with it in a very compliant way, which is a big issue in financial services. So I lead the small but growing marketing team here. And, uh, you know, we're a a 60-person company right now that Mm -hmm. is powering through the COVID environment powering through recession or whatever else is going on. And Mm. uh, we've got a pretty ambitious future ahead of us. Wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Um, So Steve, you know, what are you currently working on that you're, you know, that you're really excited about? Well, you know, it's really interesting at Grapevine 6. I mean, the company's had a lot of success over Mm -hmm. the last few years and no thanks to marketing. I mean, the company has been right. thriving and growing based on great product, mm-hmm. uh, great client service, and great sales and great selling. And and marketing really hasn't been there. And so I just joined a few months ago. And really, my mandate is to build that engine of growth and and help lead us into the next phase of growth. And, and it's, it's really interesting because I've been in, I've been in large companies. I've been in very small early stage startups mm-hmm. and here we're in this nicely in between place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got some amazing customers and, yeah. and powerful product and, and, mm-hmm. but really no marketing function. So mm-hmm. it's really going back to first principles about what does an organization need to build in terms of a powerful marketing function Mm -hmm. Uh, but i get to do it in an environment where there's there's people and there's clients and there's revenue and all all sorts of stuff that's missing from an early stage startup so Mm -hmm. it's a it's a wonderfully exciting opportunity that's fantastic and you know you um you you spoke about it right now like in the uh, past couple of minutes but um what, what do you think um, prompted uh, Grapevine Six to suddenly like realize like, hey, you know what? You know we've been experiencing phenomenal growth. We've got great customers, but yeah, there is something missing, and that's marketing. So what what prompted that change? I think it's just the natural evolution of mm-hmm. the organization. I don't think there was any particular 
prompt for it as much as mm-hmm. this is the natural path. I, I think every organization starts out being, whether it's really strong on product or really strong on sales, or, or in some cases, really strong on marketing. And then right. as the business grows and matures, you mm-hmm. got to build those other legs of the stool. And um, in our case, it was just marketing. Uh, it was marketing's time, I guess. Right. And um, so no particular change, no particular catalyst, just the the needs and the opportunities of a growing, maturing organization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it certainly sounds like a phenomenal opportunity and, uh, and uh, good for you for being in that situation right now. I mean, it's uh, definitely um, an exciting place to be. It All certainly right. is. Yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't be happier. Uh, the, I mean, we're... Grapevine 6 is a very high potential organization. I mean, mm. when you look at the fact that we have clients like SAP and yeah. Merrill Lynch and mm. UBS, I mean, oh, wow. giant organizations that yeah. I mean, startups don't sell to companies like that, let mm. alone have multi-year extensive relationships with them. So right. hats off to the team that, has got us here because it's really quite exceptional and the future is tremendously bright if we Mm. continue to execute and continue to do all the right things for our clients absolutely no no that's for sure i mean that's uh that's really amazing um Steve, we're gonna uh, jam a little bit on a topic that you and I, um, you know, started discussing as we, you know, as we connected on LinkedIn, and then we jumped onto Zoom, and uh, you know, it's on the it's on the topic of branding because you know there were a couple of ideas that you and I exchanged that we were, I would say, intensely passionate about. So I'm just gonna like dive right in. Um, so the first question being, uh, the current pandemic and ultimately the recession. Um, that it's left in its wake um, has disrupted sales and marketing across different B2B industries. So that being said, how do you think branding uh, can play a pivotal role during this period where a lot of companies are, you know, out there that we've seen um, who are struggling to ensure um, the continuity of their operations or even their existence per se? Yeah, it's tough times for a lot of organizations and, Mm -hmm. With those tough times also come opportunities. And I think that in an environment such as where we are today, Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of change going on, there's a lot of need to justify every dollar spent. Uh, There's a lot of pressure on leaders and organizations. I think that if you... Are, if your offering can be very clearly tied to a core priority of an organization, you can actually see an accelerated sales cycle because mm-hmm. they have to take action on critical things. Right. And if your offering is not clearly tied to one of the top two or three priorities in a prospect organization, you're not going to get a sale. You're just not. There's no money. There's no time. There's no focus. There's no attention. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more critical than it ever has been to become signal from the noise and to clearly enunciate a distinct and powerful vision of the future and a mm-hmm. distinct and powerful value proposition mm. that very clearly shows how your client organizations excel. And 
that's brand, right? right? I mean, that's what brand is. It's who are we and why do we matter and why are we distinct and why are we who you need to be talking to? So I, I believe mm. that brand has always been important. I think it has been woefully neglected yeah. in a lot of areas, particularly in tech. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing an increased respect for brand now because it is that critical piece that can help you become an essential purchase for an organization as opposed to just one of hundreds of options. Indeed, indeed. And I, and I think you've brought up so many good points. Um, and, and, and one of them being, uh, you know, it, it, it goes back to, um, you know, the overall perception that the target audience has in the market of your company, your products and services, and how, how branding can help you cut through all that noise. Because even in places like, you know, in, in spaces like tech, for example, right, there's a lot of noise out there. A lot of, a lot of companies trying to sell the same thing. Um, there's a, there's a quite a bit of me too positioning. So it's always a question of like, okay, so how do I, how do I stand out um, from the crowd? How do I differentiate myself? Right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you just look at the, the marketing tech space, mm. Scott Brinker, you know, famously does his annual report of that giant eye chart of logos. Yeah. It's like eight or 9,000 logos or whatever it is now in, <laughs> in, in, in marketing technology yeah. alone. That's only one place. That's one yeah. part of it all. And there's literally thousands and thousands of companies. Mm -hmm. And I, often remind myself that every one of those companies is somebody's baby. Every one of those companies, yes. you know, founders have poured their heart and soul into them and other people have joined them on the journey and they've mm -hmm. worked around the clock to build great products and to market it and sell it and serve their clients. And, and yet in the vast majority of those, they, they have failed and they will fail mm. to ever emerge from that incredible noise mm. and, and you know it's it's a limited few who rise above and achieve that escape velocity and mm -hmm. and i and i think back to our conversation of a moment ago i think yeah brand is is a critical part of that it's not the only part i mean you have to have amazing sure. product and you have yeah. to have amazing people and you have right. to you know take exceptionally good care of your clients and all that stuff but mm -hmm. that's that's necessary but it's not sufficient. I mm. think brand is and can be that critical X factor that if you do all that other stuff right too, mm. and then you nail brand, that's where you start getting that escape velocity. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and and um, I, I think it'd be, it'd be great to like uh, um, discuss that a little bit further. But before we do, um, let me highlight some statistics or some key research. Um, and in fact, this was um, the research is coming from an article that was written um, at the beginning of the month. And I think it was the one that you shared on LinkedIn, uh, which kind of jumpstarted the conversations. So uh, le let me read these to you. So according to an article written by marketingdive.com and the consulting firm Garner Group, um, you know, they brought up three points. Okay. So point number one. <clears throat> 33% of CMOs rank brand strategy as one of their top three priorities. And that's for this year. So in 2019, it was at the bottom of their list. Point number two, pre-pandemic marketing budgets were flat coming into 2020, making up 11% of company revenue. 
And point number three, 73% of CMOs surveyed expect the pandemic's effects to be short-lived and have a positive outlook for the next 18 to 24 months. Now, you've spoken extensively um, about why you felt that branding has suddenly become so important in B2B. But the, but the next question is, why do you think there was so much resistance from CMOs within B2B industries pre-crisis to prioritize branding? I think there's a lot of answers to that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, let's say that I'm sure that some of those CMOs have always appreciated and cared deeply about brand, but we're not given the leeway right. to do that mm-hmm. because senior leadership, the CEO, the board yeah. were over-rotated on short-term transactional outcomes and metrics mm-hmm. and, you know it's how many how many leads are you driving this month how many mqls mm-hmm. how many sqls how many you know what's what's the pipeline created this month and and anything outside of that was was out of bounds so i think on one hand that's probably the reason in some cases i think in other cases it's probably not that the cmo doesn't appreciate and care about brand as much as they got overwhelmed by so many other things that seemed critical and, and perhaps some of them are mm-hmm. in, in in the near term you know you think about uh, you know you spend so much money on on your martech stack so yeah. there's a yeah. there's a big focus on you know if we're bringing on new tools you know are we you know we're bringing on intent data or predictive data or content mm-hmm. portals or personal video and and on and on and on and on and you know so you, you spend a lot of time and focus making sure you're bringing on the right tools uh, and then you're probably also spending some time on like tech stack rationalization what else yes. like what, what's in our stack that we don't need what's becoming redundant where are mm-hmm. we wasting money and then the integration of all of that and then the attribution and you spend a lot of time trying to measure things and 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 attribute everything is in such a granular way mm-hmm. uh, and and then you've got all these data and analytics challenges and yeah. and then you know you're trying to on top of that you're trying to create more personalized experiences and more lead gen oh and also we're building account-based marketing over here and so it's like it's right. just overwhelming and, overwhelming. and you know, your, yep. your own time and mm-hmm. and that of your team mm-hmm. um gets just maxed on so many things and it's not that mm-hmm. at any point you ever said brand doesn't matter mm-hmm. it's that like oh yeah of course it matters we'll get to that later like we, we we've got right. more you know we've got bigger fish to fry right now mm-hmm. and and so i would imagine that's the case so so i, I yeah. would imagine because on the surface the the stat is crazy right that yeah. you, say, you know like how on earth could a cmo a self-respecting marketing leader say brand is at the bottom of my list. I, I, it seems crazy, but then right. when, you, when you look a little closer and you say, okay, in some cases they were kind of driven there by the board and the CEO. In other cases, they were just a little overwhelmed by all these other things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I would think the third case is I, th- I think the, th- the third category here is a, a, a misunderstanding of mm-hmm. what brand actually is. And, mm-hmm. and I hope this isn't the case for CMOs, but it certainly is the case for some people. Yeah. Is that they think 
brand is advertising or they right. think brand is logo mm. or they think, you know, brand is, is a slogan or a color scheme or, or it's, you know, they, they, they have a superficial understanding of what brand is mm. and, and okay, well that doesn't drive revenue. So who cares? Um, right. But, but I think those who truly understand what a brand is realize it's, it's far deeper than that. It's, it's really at the heart of, who the organization is and, and, and who they serve and why and how and, and why it matters in the world. And it's pretty hard to, uh, it's pretty hard to deny the importance of that stuff and, and yeah. to, to recognize that that stuff drives your, your revenue. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I've found myself sometimes in debates with people where they say, well, mm-hmm. I don't care about brand. I, I just care about revenue. Right. So, well, well, hang on. It, it's not, that's, that's a false dichotomy. I mean, it's not, mm-hmm brand or revenue it's it's brand for for revenue revenue. (laughs) when you get brand right it drives revenue in numerous measurable ways yeah yeah wow you are on fire, sir. Got to care if you ask me a question, and then uh, you yeah. know, there, there I go. Are we out of yeah. time yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. We've got plenty of time. Uh, and I mean, look, uh, such incredible insights. I, I mean, th- thanks so much for that. And you know, you brought up so many good points, and I, I'm just going to re- like read some of them back to you. So, um, you, you know, you talked about overwhelm. You talked about um, there being uh, KPIs and, and, you know, many organizations being uh, profit driven. And, you know, boy, have we heard that story before. Right. Um, the other one is, of course, and you've rightly alluded to it, is people's um, and not to offend anybody or, or, you know, insult anyone, but like their misconception of what branding is or what, what the difference is between branding and marketing. And that brand isn't just like a logo and a strap line and, and, and so forth. It, 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 it permeates all of that. It's, it's so much more, right? So, uh, I mean, it's, it's incredible, um, you, you know, how, 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 many, um, how many obstacles there, there, there can be when it comes to branding. But would you also say, um, would it be fair enough to also say that uh, part of, uh, I guess, what impedes um, prioritizing branding in organizations is also um getting well one is buy-in um you know from the key decision makers um certainly um another one being um that they fail to see the connection um you know to your point brand for revenue they fail to see the connection um with regards to how brand actually helps the organization to um to succeed yeah definitely and it can seem like a bit of a catch-22 it's right um, you know, you, you as a marketing leader maintain that brand drives revenue and and will increase deal sizes and mm. will increase win rates and mm. will shorten sales cycles and will lead to greater client retention and will lead to greater advocacy and all these things that are concretely measurable Mm -hmm. Um, but they don't necessarily happen overnight and it's hard to to show that one-to-one well this did that and Mm -hmm. and and i think that that's the crux of of the debate in a lot of organizations it's like yeah um okay you say that stuff but how can how can you prove it and and you need to give in my opinion need to give a marketing leader and a marketing function Mm. a bit of time to prove that and, and, and not limitless time and not limitless budget. And I do believe that marketing is absolutely accountable to revenue full stop, but 
it's not revenue that you're going to see tomorrow or next week or next month or even next quarter in a lot of cases. Right. Um, so I think those short-term horizons are are very damaging for organizations, and mm. you know they they cycle through marketing leaders in some cases. So they cycle cycle through marketing approaches and strategies, mm-hmm. and then they they say, "Yeah, see, none of it works." It's like, right. well, yeah, because. You know, you've 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 got to stick at these things, and you mm-hmm. if you do it right, uh, you will see these tangible revenue metrics moving in the right direction. Absolutely, you will. But it's it's that that time lag can be really mm-hmm. difficult and frustrating. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm totally with you on that one, man. Um, no, great. Um, Steve. You know, what kind of advice have you been giving, um, you know, your clients uh, since the pandemic started, you know, who are basically on the fence about whether they should review their brand strategy or put their dollars elsewhere? Like, you know, for example, analytics or marketing technology. You know, we really focus on elevating and empowering the people within the organization. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. fundamental to our worldview as an organization yep. that the 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 power has shifted in terms of where the brand really lives the brand lives more at the edge of the organization now it lives more in your client facing and prospect facing people your sales team your service and support team your implementation team if you have one your marketing team uh and and others and that the collective power Mm-hmm. of those people, the collective voice, the collective brand mm-hmm. that those people represent can absolutely substantially outpower any corporate media channels that you mm-hmm. have. I mean, people don't tend to engage with brands. They engage with people People. and and people that they like and respect and people that they trust. And so, I mean, fundamental to everything we believe and everything we do as an organization is that there's a huge untapped opportunity in pretty much every organization Mm -hmm. to truly empower their people to show up on social media and Mm -hmm. show up in an authentic way and spark conversations and engage Mm -hmm. and build new relationships and nurture existing relationships. And that a tremendous amount of good flows from that for the individual, but also for the organization. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, that that's, I, I'm absolutely certain that this is a large change that is happening in the yeah. world yeah. and it is being embraced by more organizations, but it's, mm-hmm. it takes time. I mean, I look at some of our client organizations that are absolute leaders in this regard. Yeah. Uh, and they'll be the first to tell you they still have a long way to go. But they mm-hmm. see the power of that. Mm-hmm. And it's at the heart of, of what they believe right. uh, in terms of, of their future as well. So, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I, it, to me, in so many ways, everything else falls in under that. Yeah. that. That all the good things that you do and that you are and that you believe as an organization when when voiced by your people 
mm-hmm. it's going to be far more authentic and, mm-hmm. and far more impactful than if it's just voiced from a central broadcast yep. corporate megaphone. Right, right. I mean, those are those are some really great observations, and those are things I think uh, you, you know they've been. Um, we've we've read about them, we've heard about them, um, we've probably discussed them with other colleagues in the industry, and it's 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 just amazing how how things have shifted. Um, I think is what I'm trying to say. So, for example, uh, you know, the thing about authenticity. I mean, like you know, probably 15, 20 years ago, it was kind of okay to just like do the whole corporate broadcasting megaphone thing. Um, and then now you have you have things like, uh, for example, um, like a couple of days ago, I read, I, I read, I, I, I believe you and I probably commented on that post on LinkedIn, but somebody was saying CMOs are missing out if they are just posting their own, you know, uh, corporate content, yeah, and they're not yes. like, and they're not like curating, or not 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 necessarily just curating content, but commenting on another piece which is outside of their organization. So for example, there's a piece in, um, in, in industry media, um, you know, that, that voices or expresses an opinion that they are extremely passionate about. And more often than not, a lot of people are not, are, are just not doing that. Yeah. It's, it's funny to me how yeah. sometimes people's behavior on mm-hmm. LinkedIn and social media is, is not in any way the way they would behave or would mm-hmm. suggest anyone ought to behave yeah. outside of that environment. I mean, mm-hmm. can you imagine a friend who only talks about himself or herself and oh, only every, yeah. every sentence is self-promotional? I mean, yeah. how long is that person going to be your friend, right? I mean, you're going to be really excited to talk to that person. Like after a while, you're going to be so disengaged yeah. from them. You're going to cut them out of your life, you know, actively yep. or passively. I, or imagine you go to a, a, a cocktail party or a business function and you mm. just like you're handing out brochures. And oh. essentially, you know, it's like people are yeah. going to be backing away from you. I mean, a a rich diet of communication is mm-hmm. what we all know makes sense mm-hmm. in real life. You, you take an interest in other people. You exactly. take an interest in things going on in the world. You take right. an interest in trends within your industry and within mm-hmm. technology. And yeah, sometimes you talk about yourself also. Sometimes yeah. you talk about your company also, mm-hmm. yeah. but, but you earn the right to do that by just being interesting and engaged in mm. other things too. And, yeah. and then we get on LinkedIn and we just, you know, just promote our own webinars, you know, like, right. and, and then we, and then we, and then we marvel at the fact that nobody engages and we wonder why <laughs> I mean, yeah. you would not behave like that in, in the offline world. Why right. would you behave that like online? So yes, back to your, your initial point in that post mm-hmm. you're referencing, I, I, mm-hmm. I fully agree. A, a rich diet of engagement on LinkedIn and on other social media, if you do operate another uh, channels is is important and and you ought to engage with other people and and comment and 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 contribute value to conversations and and you ought to share some of your own thinking in your own unique voice and you ought to share relevant 
high quality third party content, the things that you're reading, the mm -hmm. things that are impacting the way you think about the world or think about your industry, you ought to share those things and you ought to add your voice about why are you sharing this? Because, yep. you know, it, it challenged the way you were thinking about this or you learned that or, mm. or you know, um, and then, yeah, by all means, promote your webinar too. But just yes. like <laughs> have, a, have, right. a, have yep. a rich diet here. Don't be a don't be a one a one trick pony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. You spoke about this a, a little bit already, um, you know, uh, in the earlier part of this conversation, but I'd like to expand on this topic a little bit further. And in fact, it's addressing the elephant in the room when it comes to branding. So uh, you spoke about it, um, you know, and, and you mentioned that, you know, one of the biggest pushbacks that CMOs get when it comes to branding is the ROI word, right? We've all heard it before. What's the ROI if we do that? Like if we spend this amount of dollars, like how how many dollars are we going to get back? And in, in, you know, in in in, ter in terms of um, in terms of sales conversions, right? So, what's your take on that? And uh, you know, what can be done to put those uh, those doubts to rest? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fair it's a fair question. It's a fair challenge, and yeah. Um, yeah. I I it it matters, right? I mean, mm. marketing organizations operate within companies to serve a purpose and that purpose is is the growth and profitability and success and and revenue of the organization yes. so uh it is a fair challenge i i just look at it at sort of the the time mm -hmm. horizon and the, and the aperture of that question and what you're measuring mm -hmm. and you know it mm -hmm. you know to, to say look we're going to um make a a strong initiative into a particular industry or a particular mm -hmm. function or a particular geographic region um mm -hmm. yeah you need to show roi for that of course i i fully agree with that but where i push back on it is when people want to get either too near term on that as i said before or yeah. too, they want to tighten the aperture too much down to what was the roi on that piece of content what was the mm -hmm. roi on that email campaign what was the mm -hmm. roi on uh, on this particular activity or this particular channel because i think that's where you start as i said before killing yeah. things that that are contributing to the overall win you right. know what's, what's the roi on doing a podcast well mm -hmm. that's pretty hard to measure isn't it mm -hmm. but what's the roi on being a leader in your space what's the roi on being known and respected in your industry oh well that's probably really high well would a podcast contribute to that? Well, it certainly might. It might um, yeah. But if if you're going to try to say, well, I released the podcast episode this morning, um, how much money is that going to make us by next week? Hmm. Well, you're you're going to end up canceling your podcast. Yeah. But if you instead said, look, um, we're we're entering this new industry, um, we are going to interview 
dozens of leaders in that industry. We're going to build our brand, build our engagement, build our reputation within that industry. And, and then we're going to measure the sum total of that impact. Well, yeah. now that's an entirely different conversation. So yep. yeah, I mean, the, the, like, ROI questions are always difficult. And I just mm -hmm. think you can't, you know, the, the devil's in the details about timelines, about, about the aperture of that measurement. And you can't, as a marketing leader, you can't avoid that conversation or, or refuse to participate in mm -hmm. that conversation or you, you won't be a marketing leader for long. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you need to redirect that conversation yes. and, and get people thinking and then ultimately measuring in a way that they weren't before that, before you changed their mindset. Right. That's absolutely right. I mean, you know, it's it, one thing is, you know, like leading that conversation, um, facilitating it, measuring what matters so that you can quantify, um, you know, what returns these endeavors are going to have. Right. Because, uh, you know, everyone outside of the outside of the realm of branding is going to is going to wonder, OK, well, if we spend, you know, like what like what I was saying earlier, like if we spend this amount of money, um, you know, how many sales conversions can you guarantee us, um, you know, if we if we decide to go ahead with it and you know more often than not it's very hard to it's very hard to link those two but you can measure or quantify the results of branding in other ways that are going to show that you know the, the organization is making progress by you know having made this decision yeah take two companies that have um you know strongly overlapping product mm -hmm. and and market focus and and imagine if you will that one yes is well known and well respected mm -hmm. by the audience that matters to them and, and are, are perceived as being highly credible leaders in their space and the other one is unknown or misunderstood i will absolutely guarantee you that the one that has that respect and and has that appreciation for what they do is going to have a higher win rate they're going to have shorter sales cycles they're going oh, yeah. to have larger deal sizes they're going to have less churn mm. um, their their cost of acquiring a new customer is going to be lower because mm. they're going to have far more authentic referrals yeah. so there are many tangible ways that you can substantiate the power of that brand Undoubtedly. But if you yeah. want to substantiate it in the first three months or the first six months, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, of course. Of course. I might I might throw in one other measure, which I've seen, um, um, you know, with, with uh, some of the clients I've worked with over the years. If the competitor starts to copy you. <laughs> <laughs> I love what uh, Christopher Lockhead says. You know, yeah. He's, he's uh, one of the pioneers of of uh, category design mm -hmm. and uh you know uh, uh an amazing writer an amazing podcaster and he does lots of great stuff mm -hmm. uh, he says one of the the hallmarks of of great marketing is when your competitor starts having emergency board meetings about you, <laughs> <laughs> you hear that through the grapevine you know you're doing something powerful yeah that is um you're, you're definitely doing something right if um if it's you know it's grabbing their attention in that way um well, fantastic. Um, Steve, short of stating the obvious, you know, this has been a year for the books, but if you could implement one branding initiative this year, which one would it be and why? I think one of the most impactful things 
that we or anyone else can be doing right now is having more conversations with your customers and your mm. prospects and doing it in a public forum, doing it mm -hmm. in a podcast, doing it in a LinkedIn live series, doing it in uh, a, a series of YouTube videos, what have you, but um, taking the kinds of conversations that you already have in in private and and making them more public i think that that mm -hmm. can be mm -hmm. profoundly impactful in terms of really i mean you're going to learn a lot you're yep. going to enrich your relationships mm -hmm. um but but you're also really signaling to the market that you are not entirely self-serving you're not just yeah. in the transactional sales and marketing business that you mm -hmm. actually care a whole lot mm -hmm. about the success of the entire industry or mm -hmm. industries that you serve mm -hmm. and that your strong point of view yeah. on how clients can succeed is is authentic and mm -hmm you want to share and sharing it freely. And, and I think that I'm not alone in thinking this or saying this, but it is yeah. certainly a minority opinion. There are, yeah. there are not yeah. a lot of organizations that are green lighting that kind of thing. I, I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> back to things we've already discussed, it's yeah. hard to measure. Right. Um, what do you, you know, it's, it's hard to gate it and say how many MQLs you captured. I mean, the, or you could do that, but then you'll dramatically reduce the reach and the impact of it. Mm. So it takes some faith to do that. Mm -hmm. But I, th I think that there is a tremendous opportunity to, to really walk the walk in terms of really delivering value to the market that you serve mm -hmm. um, in a more open way like that. And I think that there would be tremendous payoff from doing that well. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be hard, hard to measure. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, um, looking at it from another point of view, um, you know, once you establish uh, something like this, this, this forum that you were talking about, you would also um, set the precedent for like, you know, being seen as someone in the industry who is initiating these, uh, these conversations that people need to have. And, you know, that'll, that, that'll get you um, not just exposure, but that will also get you closer to potential customers, closer to potential partners, um, help them to have more confidence in your, um, you know, not not just in your ability to deliver, but also to you know for for them to see that you're a person that genuinely cares and is passionate about um what you do. Absolutely. And then to go back to what I said a few minutes ago mm -hmm. about amplifying this through your people. I mean, yeah. I, that's other big win. I mean, I think it goes without saying. Yeah. Because I think I was pretty clear on it earlier about about the tremendous power of of empowering your people to really. Mm -hmm show up. So think about the power of those two things together, right? Mm -hmm. If you are having really high quality, high value conversations with that are truly helping people in your industry, and then you're amplifying that the content that comes out of that, you're amplifying that through all of your people, mm -hmm. you become unstoppable. Exactly. No, that's uh, that, that, that's really awesome. Great observations.
So Steve, state the one best piece of advice that you received from a mentor and how does that apply to your professional life today? I think one of the most important things that I learned is from Mark Wright, CMO at Firmax. He was Mm -hmm. my boss a few years ago. And as I was going through this transition from, you know, marketing practitioner to marketing leader, mm-hmm. you know, a really great piece of advice he gave me, he said, you got to get a lot closer to the finances of the organization. You've mm-hmm. got to get a stronger grasp on really how we spend money and how we make money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of marketers lack that. They they lack it entirely in some cases because mm-hmm. they're wholly focused on driving marketing metrics without any appreciation for how the company actually makes money or right. more likely they're they're not entirely naive about those things but they they have less than a fully sophisticated understanding of really I mean the not just the unit economics of client acquisition, which any good demand gen leader is going to have, but, mm-hmm. but, but a deeper understanding of every aspect of the way the company is funded. Uh, because I mean, that can have a bit, I mean, it's, it's a very different, the expectations of, of marketing are very different in, in say a VC funded organization versus right. a private equity funded mm. versus a bootstrapped organization versus a subsidiary of a, of a global giant mm-hmm. uh, and on and on. So really understanding the, the financial underpinnings of the organization, yeah. um, which drive so many expectations and then really understanding the fully loaded implications of everything that you do. And and sometimes marketers just think about um, a a very um, narrow thinking about customer acquisition cost. And they're not thinking about the the fully loaded cost of the sales team and and the the customer support team and and all these other things. So his, his advice to me was, as you continue to evolve as a marketing leader, you need to improve your understanding of finance and you need to build closer relationships with the CFO and you need to get better at this stuff. And and he was absolutely right and, and mm-hmm. he continues to be right. And I'm still not all the way there, but I'm I'm a lot further mm-hmm. along that road than I was. And I and I greatly appreciate that advice. Well, yeah, I mean, it's such valuable advice too, because you know, like um a uh, f- failure to follow that advice, um what would be like, you know, you're you're gonna get sucked back into that silo, which you know happens a lot in, in especially larger organizations, and then you fail to see the uh, the picture of the entire ecosystem, right? So it becomes yeah. a little bit of an out of sight, out of mind affair. And you can overspend or underspend or spend right. in the wrong ways or allocate time and allocate headcount in all sorts of ways that seemed logical. Yeah, but when you have a a deeper and more nuanced understanding of the financial underpinnings of the organization and the financial expectations of the organization, you realize that that was not the most appropriate way right. to spend money, or mm. or you you know imagine you're in a VC funded organization that that expects hyper growth, and mm-hmm. and you're being very prudent in your 
your spending and very prudent in your headcount growth, mm-hmm. well, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Um, where, where in a in a founder led, you know, bootstrapped self-financed organization and you start spending like in a VC funded or you're setting yourself up for failure in an entirely different way. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that, uh, you know, that I have got, I have become better as a marketing leader as I've gotten a better grasp on that, but I still got a long way to go. (laughs) Don't we all, my friend, don't we all (laughs) Steve, this has been such an extremely insightful and fun session. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing. Um, so final question is, what is the best way for people like, uh, you know, out there to connect with you? I'm, I'm all about LinkedIn, Christian. Um, yep. I think people probably picked up the breadcrumbs on that answer. They sure did. <laughs> um, I, I spend a, a fair amount of time engaging with people on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in connecting with people where we can add mutual value. And, and yeah. that doesn't mean, don't just connect with me and pitch slap me, right? Yeah. Like, you, you get, we all get those, right? It's just, mm. uh, you know, connection request, pitch, pitch, pitch. Um, that's not adding value. That's, that's not a good time for anybody. So uh, mm. I very much welcome connection requests and engagement with people who have conversations and and who share content and and um celebrate other people's content and uh i mean that makes us all better marketers and better business people and and i think i'd even go so far as to say makes us all better people so uh, come come find me on linkedin if you want to add value uh, come find Steve on LinkedIn if you want to add value or if you want to just like read the passionate exchange that he has with other B2B marketers. <laughs> LinkedIn is the greatest ongoing global business conversation the world has ever had. Has ever oh, yeah. Seen. We're fortunate to live in an era when, where that is true. I have learned so much and I learn more every day on yeah. LinkedIn and meet interesting people such as you christian and um and and seriously it's right there and and far too many people they they just don't participate so i'd say yeah you know jump in the water is beautiful yeah well steve i really appreciate you taking the time to come on and jam with me so um thanks so much for your time take care be safe and i'll talk to you soon thanks christian all right take care bye Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Music